The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back after a one-week break for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato. Commercial Appeal Sports Columnist. I'm joined by Jason Munns, our Tiger basketball beat writer. Uh, lots happened since uh, we last joined you. The Tigers started practicing officially. We were there for the first practice. We'll break it down here in a second. We also got the release of the conference schedule. So now we know, I think, all but one game Memphis is going to play this year. They're, they've got 30 scheduled. They can schedule one more. Um, so we'll break down the schedule and then, uh, pro day is this week. One of the new caveats that came with Penny Hardaway and his, uh, star studded recruiting classes. Uh, it happened two years ago. It's happening again this week. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about, uh, give you a little preview of pro day, uh, in this episode of the podcast, but Munz, let's start practice started. Um, and It was pretty fun being at the first practice. I got to say, even a week, almost a week later now, um, getting to see Jalen Duran and Amani Bates play together in person for the first time in a Memphis practice uniform. Uh, There was a few hundred rebound Memphis rebounders there watching. Um, You know, we got everyone, I guess, Earl Timberlake didn't play and Alex Lomax didn't play. Um, why don't we start though, before we get to Earl, cause I do want to talk about the news involving Earl Timberlake a little bit. Um, I guess your impressions of fr- coming out of that first practice, um, what stuck out to you about this team? Well, so the more I thought about it, just from a big picture standpoint, and I'd like to start here and get your take on it. Cause we haven't even, we have, you and I haven't even discussed this part of it, but uh, so that was the first practice and, and it looked, it, it was a lot, like you said, it was a lot of fun and there were a lot of really, um, positive, you know, promising, there was a lot of promise in, you know, what we saw. And of course, you know, you take it all with a grain of salt. It's, it's an open practice. It's just guys, you know, from the same team kind of doing a, uh, a little inter squad exhibition type thing um, against each other. It's not like a real game. Coaches are on the floor, uh, sort of. Uh, you know, there's no uh, referees or anything like that. But if that was what it looked, if that was, you know, taking into account that it was what, late September, whatever the date was. Um, when that when when that first practice you know when when what we saw happened um i think my my sort of takeaway is that this is this the there's just a a, a lot of potential for what for for big things um because again that was 6 weeks before the season tips off um there's still you know, there's still a lot of uh, practice left to go, a couple of exhibition games. Um, they're going to get their sort of uh, warm-up, 
you know, a couple of games to warm up before they start playing, you know, teams like Western Kentucky and St. Louis. They've got Tennessee Tech in the opener um, and, and a couple of other low majors uh, at least before they yeah, start. North Carolina into- Central, I believe. You know, yeah. They got that yeah, so I guess game what, against LeMoyne. Right. So I guess Lemoyne. what I'm getting at is I guess what I'm getting at is is if that's their jumping off point, if that is this team's jumping off point, some pretty big things like the hype is real. The hype is very real. And uh all this talk of a deep NCAA tournament run, you can see it. You could see the building you got, blocks. You got all that from that one practice, huh? No, like part of it's just part of it is just uh, uh, there was an excitement level of seeing it all like you read it. You know, it, it was different, you know, reporting Jalen During committed and Amani Bates committed and Larry Brown's coming and Rasheed Wallace is coming and all, you know, DeAndre Williams and Lester Quinones and Landers Nolly are back. And, oh, Tyler Harris came back to walk on, you know, like a a Big 12 scholarship player came back to walk on at Memphis. Like reading it and then but then seeing it all out there on the court. Oh, and like Chandler Lawson's coming back and all these like seeing it out there on the court. I I understand the the emotion you're trying to convey that like it just became more real seeing it all out there on the court together. Um, you didn't have to imagine it anymore. You could see it out there playing out in front of your eyes. And for the, for the general public listening to this, you'll get to see it, you know, maybe Memphis Madness, maybe the, the LeMoyne-Owen exhibition game later this month. You'll see it. But some things, some, some nitty-gritty things I was struck by. One, I was impressed. Amani Bates has only been, had only been with the team like a week when we got there, like a week, week and a half. The chemistry he had with some of the guys was really impressive. Um, he had obvious chemistry with Jalen Duran. Those two worked really well together. And I thought it was really interesting if you looked at the lineups being used in that format that they were doing, it was very clear that they wanted Amani Bates, Lester Quinones, DeAndre Williams, and Jalen Duran together. And not only that, those four guys had great chemistry together, it felt like. Um, And we've talked a lot about heading into this season that chemistry is going to be a big deal with all this talent. Um, So I found that to be really interesting. And then the other interesting part was, even though Earl Timberlake was not playing, they were using Landers Nolly with like the quote-unquote bench guys, like Chandler Lawson and Josh Minot and... Uh, John Camden and, and those sorts of guys. So if we're going to extrapolate from that, it feels like in an ideal world, Penny wants Landers coming off the bench. Now, maybe that's a big jump off one practice, but that's the takeaway I had is that, and I think it makes sense in the sense that if you can get Landers to buy into that role, he's your, he's your microwave scorer off the bench. He's a guy that wants to take shots, and that would make a lot of sense. Now, the complicating factor is Earl Timberlake. So let's talk about that real quick. Penny revealed after the practice 
that Earl had surgery, had neck surgery to help relieve some of that shoulder pain that he's been dealing with since he was at Miami uh, a couple months ago. And so he's still recovering from that. He hasn't been clear as of last week, had not been cleared for full contact. Contrary to what Penny had said previously to John Rothstein, that he was fully cleared. Um, so I don't know what where that leaves Earl Timberlake in terms of being ready for the start of the season. Um, I would presume if he's not ready for the start of the season, that Landers would start, even you know, even though it feels like they would like to use him off the bench, maybe. Um, but what did you make of the Earl Timberlake news? And have you heard anything further on that front in terms of, you know, do they expect him to be available at the start of the year? No, nothing new just yet. Um, I, I I thought that, um, you know, the, 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 the way I uh, digested the news that Penny Hardaway gave um, about Earl Timberlake was that um, it was – somewhat minor and he and he said the surgery was one or two months ago i think he said it was a couple of months ago that he had the surgery yeah. um you know I, I don't know how minor that is if, if you have surgery uh you know six weeks eight weeks um earlier and it and it, if it is if it is indeed minor feels like uh, a neck surgery is not like getting your appendix taken out or something you know yeah and especially if you're dealing with nerves, I don't know if there was, uh, I, I, I got the sense that there was like some nerve uh, work that was well, done. Well, let's be real. Penny has a tendency to be overly optimistic. Like it's just yeah. part of who he is as a coach. Like um, he, he's very optimistic about everything, I would say. Right. Sometimes, yeah. so, sometimes he's right. Sometimes he's wrong. Right. So I guess, you know, you got to take him at his word that um, that, you know, he expects him to be uh, back sooner rather than later um, until further notice. That's that's kind of what we have to go by. Uh, and if and if if you do have him to start the season, I, I'm still I don't know. I'm, I'm I don't know that I read the situation the same way as you did just um, that, that, that if you, if you, if, 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 um, Earl Timberlake is available, then that means Landers Nolly, Landers Nolly's coming off the bench. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's quite how I would take it based on that one, uh, practice that we saw, but of you course would, it's, you would not possible. jump to that conclusion just yet. No, no. Um, but it, it is still one of those things that's, uh, very much, going to be a uh you know a point of curiosity like it's going to be something to, that that's uh we've talked about very the sixth guy is going to be a big storyline this preseason preseason excuse yeah. me um All and i would say, could yeah when well, i would say this the good news is is what you saw out there on the court in that first practice is if let's say earl timberlake worse let's say let's give a like a a scenario that that Penny has not put out there, but let's say, let's say Earl Timberlake isn't ready till conference play. I don't think it's the end of the world for this team. They've got so much. They've got a lot of depth. I mean, like Chandler Lawson is going to probably be like the seventh man on this team. He'd probably start for every other AAC team. 
You know what I mean? Like yeah. they've got so much depth that I think, frankly, given the injury history Earl has right now in his young college career, like I don't think you want to rush him back. I think you want to make sure that this thing is fully healed. And like if, if he has to miss the first 10 games of the year because of that, so be it. Like, I think they'll be fine without him. Like, will they be better with him? Sure. But the, with, the addition of Amani Bates and Jalen Duran has given them incredible depth. Because um, we didn't even mention, like, Josh Minot in that practice, I mean, that kid looks good. Like, that kid looks ready to contribute right now for this team. Um, and so it could be a blessing in disguise in that Earl being hurt initially opens up some more playing time for someone like Josh Minot, who, you know, maybe isn't going to be one of your two or three best players this year, but might be next year. If you can make sure he stays, you know, like there's, I think, I just don't think, I think the Earl Timberlake thing is concerning for Earl specifically, but for this team, I think they've got the depth to overcome it, even if it's a worst-case scenario type of situation. Yeah, I think Josh Minot's going to make some serious noise uh, this year. I mean, it may be sparingly, um, but I just the, – the, the times that I've seen him uh, play, um, one time it was against some of the best uh, high school basketball prospects in the country – the other time it was against um, one of the preseason top 10, you know, it was, it was like with and against one of the pre, you know, Memphis uh, preseason top 10 team. Um, and, and he looks like one of the, he looks like he belongs on the floor. Um, I think he's going to force Penny uh, Hardaway and the coaching staff to, to give him meaningful minutes. Um, especially early, you know, we'll see what happens once they get to conference play. And, and, and obviously, as you were just talking about, uh, Earl Timberlake's availability or non-availability is going to be, uh, also a factor in how much Josh Minot sees the floor. But, uh, that was another big takeaway. You were asking about takeaways earlier. Uh, Josh Minot is, is a, in my mind, based on what I've seen so far as a bona fide player and, um, and uh, and and I see him uh, making a making a difference for this team um, pretty early on. All right, Munz, let's switch course um, from that first practice to uh, the the schedule. We now know <clears throat> the full Memphis basketball schedule. The AAC finally, belatedly, released its uh, conference schedule. We knew the opponents Memphis was going to play. Uh, but now we know the order um, of when they're going to play them. We know, so we now we know the full schedule. We're still waiting on. I think there's one more bye game that Memphis is going to add against a low major team in non-conference play. But obviously, we knew the non-conference schedule highlighted by you know those games against uh, the the trip to Brooklyn uh, where they play Virginia Tech and then Iowa State or Xavier. Then they go at Georgia at Ole Miss. And they got Alabama at home and Tennessee in Nashville. But we now know the conference schedule. Um, it will begin, Munns, December 29th. Memphis is going to play at Tulane, uh, one of, I believe, uh, three or four ESPN Plus games on the Memphis conference schedule. 
And then they followed up with a, this is a new one. I don't, I don't recall this happening before since I've been on the beat. New Year's Day at Wichita State on CBS. Big, show, big uh, 11 a.m. tip on CBS on New Year's Day. Pretty cool uh, little time slot Memphis gets. In fact, they've got in conference play two CBS games and two ABC games. Um, and then I guess other highlights of the schedule, um, they don't play Houston until February 12th on ABC, um, at Houston. And then they close the season once again with Houston, I think for the third year in a row, their last game is against Houston and it's so, but it's going to be at FedEx forum 11 AM on CBS on March 6th. Um, so that'll be pretty cool as well. Uh, any other any other highlights from the conference schedule? Anything you'd want to you think uh, fans should know that you wanted to point out? Uh, no, I mean you pretty much covered it. Um, the first home game is Tulsa. January the first home conference game is against Tulsa on January fourth. Um, you know, uh, the rest of it's pretty straightforward. You you mentioned the highlights: the Wichita State's, the Houston's. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, and, and, what, and the thing I was thinking about, they're going to be favored probably in every conference game, but maybe the at Houston game and even that game by the time it happens on February 12th, like, let's say this team is as good as everyone wants it to be. Like, are they really going to be an underdog at that point, even on the road against Houston? I'm not sure, but like, ultimately that is the only game I think. If this team is as good as I think it's going to be, it feels like the Houston game on the road is the only game where they could potentially be an underdog. Yeah, um, I think that's a uh, I think that's a valid point. I, I and I'm not and I'm not sure by that time if uh, if if they won't be favored in that game as well. Um, I mean, I think Houston's going to be good again, but. But I think that they've got a formula that doesn't rely exclusively, like doesn't rely on talent. That's a variable you just can't account for. Like Houston's best offense was throwing the ball up the, off the backboard, essentially, and rebound, you know, put it and putting it back off the offensive glass. So um, they're going to be feisty, uh, obviously, in conference play. Um, but it will. Uh, It'll be interesting because Houston has set the template for, okay, what does Memphis need to do to be like a two seed in the NCAA tournament? And even last year, if you look, I mean, Houston lost to Tulsa and lost to ECU and still got a two seed in the NCAA tournament. So it's not like Memphis has to go 18 and 0, but it does probably have to go like at least 16 and 2 and go, you know, only lose a game or two in non-conference play to, to reach that sort of, uh, those sort of heights. Um, yeah. But, um, and you got to hope the league's decent. I mean, if you look at it, it seems like Houston's going to be good. It seems like Wichita State's got the potential to be good with Tyson Etienne back. 
SMU returns a lot, plus has some big time transfers or like not big time transfers, has some transfer has like some power five transfers there. They seem like they could be intriguing. And then a lot of people, UCF returns a lot. Um, but ultimately, you know, the problem with the league is the bottom half has been really bad over the years. And I don't think that's going to necessarily change this year. Um, and that's why. In terms of getting a two seed or one seed or something like that in the NCAA tournament, Memphis doesn't have a lot of room for margin for error, even in non-conference play, because you got to have you got you, you, the bottom line is you got to be like a you know you got to have like a thirty-one and three record when all said and done after the conference tournament if you want to be a two seed or like a third you got to be a thirty-win team coming out of the conference tournament if you want to have a realistic shot at being a one or two seed in the NCAA tournament, I think. And that's not easy, no matter uh, no matter what, no matter how much talent you have, no matter how many uh, uh, high caliber recruits you have, it's that is not that is not an easy it's much easier said than done. Yes, it is uh, certainly that way. All right. Munz, let's look ahead to Pro Day. It's going to be Wednesday. We're recording this on Tuesday, much like two years ago. I'll be curious how many scouts come, I would assume, just like two years ago when he had James Wiseman and Precious Achua, that all 30 or so NBA teams will be represented with Amani Bates and Jalen Duran there. Um, I kind of look at this Pro Day more from the perspective of um, you know, like obviously Amani Bates and Jalen Dern, like they're going to be, that's why that's, what's drawing them out there, you know, but like, I, I tend to think about these pro days more in terms of who can benefit the most. Like, it doesn't feel like Jalen Duran and Amani Bates can benefit from this as much as it can confirm their status as what they are, or frankly, if they look horrible or something, they can, it could hurt their stock. Um, but like, it's, I, I just find it hard to believe their stock is going to be elevated by the pro day. Whereas I think where I, where I think the pro day is really cool is that it feels like it could elevate the stock of the rest of the roster, because let's just be honest. The, the entire NBA is not going to come to Memphis to see Deandre Williams or Lester Quinones or, even Josh Minot, like they're just, they're not, um, they're here because of Amani and Jalen, but those guys, Lester, DeAndre, uh, Josh Minot, Chandler Lawson, Jonathan Lawson, you know, the freshmen, you know, those guys can all benefit. They're going to get seen when maybe they wouldn't have gotten seen, uh, if those two weren't here. And so that's how I tend to look at the pro day. Um, what are your What are your thoughts on it, though? What, what do you think What do you think Pro Day means for this Memphis program? Well, I think you're right. Let me start first by by touching on on the point that you just made. I think I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I saw it a lot when covering uh, when I used to cover uh, high school football uh, um, uh, back in Mississippi. Uh, you'd see it. You'd see you know some a handful of teams in the area would have these hot shot big time recruits. And they would bring recruiters and college coaches. Uh, they would attract recruiters and college coaches. And just by 
by proxy, uh, you know, you you there would be inevitably there'd be another guy or two or three who would pop onto somebody's radar that normally wouldn't might not have been on their radar before because they were there just because they were there to see somebody else. And so for that standpoint, I think you're absolutely right about guys like Lester Quinones and um, well, not so much him, but maybe more so guys like Josh Minot or even a John Camden or Jonathan Lawson. Um, you know, younger guys who who haven't yet played a game at, at the college level. Uh, you know, not a lot of tape out there outside of what um, the last two seasons have been like uh, on the uh, AAU side and the high school side. So, um, Dude, even, I think even, you're. I, I think of it in terms of DeAndre. Like, I know he's 25, but he hasn't really played that much college basketball. And like, I'm not saying he's going to play in the NBA, but like. This is probably the first time NBA scouts have watched him. Will have like will watch him in a workout. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And maybe that helps him, you know, get on a summer league team or gets a two way contract or something. You know, like I, I don't know. You know, like I'm not saying DeAndre yeah. Williams is going to play himself into a draft pick necessarily, but maybe he could. You know, like maybe he could. And 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 to that end, I mean, it's not outside the question. It's not out of the question for somebody like a Lester Quinones or a Landers Nolly to do kind of similar uh, yeah. to to benefit similarly from uh, from this from this deal. And and so I think that's I get your I get the point that you're trying to make that um, Amani Bates and Jalen Duran are pretty well solidified. I mean, yes, they could they could marginally improve their their standing in the eyes of certain scouts here and there, but they're not going to make these huge leaps uh, uh, because they're already so, you know, their value is already so high. Um, you know, the, 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 the biggest room for, for improvement in terms of, uh, you know, stock draft stock or professional uh, professional basketball stock is, is for guys like, uh, Lester Quinones and DeAndre Williams and Josh Minot and uh, uh, Jonathan Lawson, Chandler Lawson. Um, you know, th- th- these are the guys who, you know, if they can get somebody's attention in a pro day setting like uh, Memphis is going to be is, is putting on again for the second time in three years, um, then they they are the ones more so than guys like Amani Bates and Jalen Duran who, who stand to benefit more than, uh, or, or benefit the most. Yeah. No, and let's be clear. Jalen and Amani are the stars of the show. Like that's for the, sure. The, these NBA teams are paying for these scouts to go out there because of that, come to Memphis yeah. because of them. But, yeah. it, uh, it nonetheless, um, speaks to, Frankly, it speaks to where Penny has the program right now, the caliber of player he has in the program. Um, and, you know, there's just there's a, only a handful of programs in the country that can do this, that have enough players and the caliber of player to do this in a meaningful way. And um, it plays into the message Penny has on the recruiting trail. I wouldn't be surprised if he has recruits there for the pro day like he did a couple years ago. Um, so, um, it's an exciting moment, uh, for the team, for the players, for the program, uh, as we approach this season. Um, and I, hopefully, like I said, hopefully I, I really hope like I, you know, listen, I hope Amani and Jalen do well. 
I'm more, I'm more think about it again in terms of, I, I hope those other guys really are able to take advantage of this and elevate their stock uh, because of it, because it, it, it's a, it's a cool opportunity in front of them. Um, so we'll wrap things up there. We got lots more to talk about next week. M- Memphis madness is coming up. Then the preseason's going to start. And before you know it, Memphis will be playing Tennessee tech and this, what we hope is going to be a magical Memphis basketball season will be underway. Uh, Jason and I will be chronicling it all over at commercialappeal.com. Make sure you're checking out all our work. Um, lots of good stuff. Jason has a tremendous feature on Lester Quinones up there now. Uh, I highly recommend you go check it out uh, about Lester's growth as a player and, and why he decided not to transfer um, from Memphis this offseason. Uh, it's well worth your time and a subscription to the Commercial Appeal. Um, Till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. There is no pro day for journalists, though. So uh, we'll just have to, th- this one on, uh, on, on Wednesday will have to suffice for us. Uh, thanks for listening. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of The Commercial Appeal.